Welcome to episode 36 of The Sedated Man. I am Mike Baker, founder of The Sedated Man. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you've been listening, welcome anyway. So, episode 36, how to find your backbone after a miserable divorce. Now, I myself uh, am divorced, but that was a long time ago. And one of the things I run across with many, many, many men is trying to navigate the whole divorce ocean, trying to figure out who they are in that. Uh, For many men, it was their fault primarily that the divorce happened. For a lot of men, equally, it it may have been something that was going on with the wife. So I'm not here to place blame. All right. I will tell you about my experience. I'll tell you about some of the men that I've dealt with, not by name, obviously. But we're going to talk about what Scripture has to say about it and how to get back to your square one. All right, and this is part one of how to find your backbone after a miserable divorce. Uh, I was going to try and do it in one take, but, you know, really it's so broad a subject. There's a couple of things scripturally that we need to cover that, that we're just, I just couldn't do it in the allotted time. I try to keep these short enough that, you know, that it holds your interest. And I don't, if I get too long on this, it's, it's just going to seem like this, all this information. And I want you to soak it in. I want you to get it because, because the answer is out there. All right. So in Mark chapter 10, verses two through nine, some Pharisees came up to Jesus testing him and began to question him whether it was lawful for a man to divorce a wife. And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. But Jesus said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So divorce was allowed. Why? Because of the hardness of their heart. And I want to point out here that I don't get the impression that God was upset with Moses. Moses had a big job to do. All right. I mean, initially he was handling all the complaints and everything. And then finally his his father-in-law was like, hey, you need to delegate, buddy. And so he starts doing that. Things get a little easier for him, but it was still a stressful job. So he allows this certificate of divorce because the people were raucous. I mean, they were. They were whiny. I mean, I can only imagine what it must have been like to be Moses, but he allowed the certificate of divorce to solve a problem within the camp at the time. And whether he meant for that to be long-term or not, there's no real way of knowing, but the Lord says he was the one who allowed it. But he's not upset with Moses. He's upset with the people. He doesn't say it was because of Moses' hardness of heart. He says it was because of the people's hardness of heart. So in Malachi... Malachi chapter 2, in verse 16. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, why am I going over these? Well, this is the low-hanging fruit. This is the stuff that we, as God-fearing men, know. We know that the Lord hates divorce. We know that it's not endorsed. We know that it's not part of what it means to be a Christian, but it's happening at an astonishing rate these days, okay? And I don't just mean kind of, I mean tremendous rates. 
And here in a little bit, I'm going to go through some. Uh, I'm going to go through some some statistics for you so that you can kind of see what's going on with it. But you know, divorce can completely wreck who you think you are. It can completely turn things that you think on its ear. So, so your divorce is a done deal. Let's say you've been divorced for a long time or you're recently divorced. It's a done deal. Now what? Okay. So your confidence could be shattered, your faith shaken. And like I said, the stats are against you. So let's just go to some of those stats right now. So I've got on my uh, show notes page on patreon.com. The United States. Now, some of these are older. There is an update on here from 2018. Uh, the article was originally written in 2012. And like I said, if you want to see the link for that, it's on my show notes page. So breaking down the numbers, right? 40 to 45% of first marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. 73% of third marriages end in divorce. What does that tell you? What it should tell you is that some people don't learn. They continue to get married, continue to get married, continue to get married, but they don't fix the problems. I mean, let's be honest. I went through a very ugly divorce, all right? And for many, many years, while my sons, my two sons from my first marriage were growing up, it was very important to me to be around for them. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up that in the beginning, I wasn't a very good dad because I, I had, you know, I had a bad childhood. I had no real life experience. Then I got married and, uh, I can honestly say that I was as good a husband as I knew how to be, but I had problems providing. I, I didn't, you know, some of you might think, how can you have problems providing? I didn't entirely understand the concept, and I was with a woman who was very strong-minded, okay? So, so here I was, divorced, didn't know really who I was. I had these two boys. I, I love them immensely, but what do I do with them? I don't know. And so for probably a good year or two, I was not uh, as focused on being a dad as I should have. I wasn't as good at being a dad as I should have. And, you know, really the boys took the brunt of, of my, my lack of, of wanting to know or needing to know, or even knowing what I, knowing what I needed to know. So with that, it, it racked everything that I thought. I already thought I was a failure. And being a bad dad didn't help that. So what did I do? I began to put all of my effort back into back into God, back into church, and then back into my boys. And it was a little bit of a process to get there, but it was well worth the time. So I recognized that I needed to change some things. I recognized that as I went along that you know, maybe the type of woman I was looking for, I needed to change as well. Maybe I needed to change from what I was looking for to what God wanted me to look for. And I think a lot of us forget that, especially in a divorce culture that we have now. So back to the statistics, okay? So my little rabbit hole there. So like I said, 42 to 45% of first marriages, 60% of second marriages, 73% of third marriages. Uh, They've got some age groups on here. Here's some divorce facts for you. In the United States, there's one divorce approximately every 36 seconds. That's nearly 2,400 divorces a day, 16,800 divorces per week, and 876,000 divorces a year. This is just the United States, guys. 
The average length of the first marriage that ends in divorce is eight years. Uh, the probability of a first marriage ending in separation or divorce in the first five years is 20% and 10 years is 33%. Uh, on average, a person spends about two years thinking about divorce before taking action, which means that there's time to fix things. Okay, uh, About three out of every four divorced people will remarry, and people wait an average of three years uh, after a divorce to remarry. Now, we're not going to talk about the remarry thing yet. Okay, the remarry is going to be part two. All right. Um, they have on this page, they have the five states with the lowest divorce rates, the five states with the highest divorce rates, uh, which regions are higher, which regions are lower. I mean, you know, people are are fickle. All right. Some of these say the more the more of your coworkers who are the opposite sex, the higher your risk for divorce. So let's say, for instance, that you're a man who works in a bank and every bank, and I'm not picking on, on, I'm not saying this is status quo across the board. What I am saying is every bank that I've walked into is primarily women with maybe the one or two guys. Okay. And this is saying that if the, your workplace is primarily the opposite sex, you're at a higher uh, chance of divorce. So there's your stats. Now you can go to that page and check out all the other stats. Don't get too bogged down in the stats, all right? So, so let me just get Ron real here for a minute. Now, some might be thinking, Mike, you're divorced. Why should I take advice from a guy who's already divorced? Okay, well, you're right. That's a very good question. Let me answer that. <clears throat> My current wife and I, decided in the beginning that if this if we weren't gonna if we weren't gonna commit to this it wasn't worth doing okay my first marriage lasted oh roughly two and a half years and it was an ugly ugly two and a half years when I began to find my backbone I met my wife now and when I changed my focus on who I was looking for and I looked for a woman that was that was not what I need, not what I, I wanted, but what I needed. Uh, I prayed about it fervently and I prayed about it in detail. Now, if you would like to know what I mean by in detail, I'm not going to go over that here. Just email me and I'll, I'll let you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, but the Lord brought me my wife now. Now, my wife and I have been married. Remember, first marriage was two and a half years. My current wife and I have been married just over 23 years. So I'm pretty sure that I made a better choice and I'm pretty sure that I knuckled down and I'm absolutely positive that I pushed in the right direction with our goals because my wife is still my best friend. So what I'm telling you is the change is possible. For many years, every time I would, I had one son <clears throat> who didn't want to come with me and it got so bad that <clears throat> my my wife now had to go over and get him for me because he would throw fit and it broke my heart because my son didn't want to be with me and I, I could pick him up, but I just, it was, it took a serious emotional and mental toll on me as a dad, as a husband. I mean, you know, and so she began to pick him up because <clears throat> she didn't have that same 
you know, emotional link, so to speak, that I did. And she didn't have a problem telling him, just get in the car. So, so the whole point of this is I get it, you're hurting. All right. If you think that, well, Mike, my, my divorce went pretty smooth. Okay. No divorce goes smooth. Just because paperwork goes smooth, just because you can smile at each other and say, oh yeah, we're good co-parenters does not mean that it is not taking a toll on your kids. The Lord's intent was for one man, one woman in the home all the time. And his intent was from the beginning. It was not for divorce. So you're already living including myself, you're already living in a program and plan that was not originally endorsed by God. Don't think for two seconds that because you two can smile at each other and get along that it is not going to have a negative effect on the kids. Yeah, that's more positive. Yes, that's great if you can do it, but the across the board, the bulk of couples do not do that. Now, when I originally was divorced from my first wife, I think my oldest son was four years old and my second oldest was approximately nine months and it was an ugly divorce. To this day, we have tried off and on over the years to get along and be friends, but it's just it's just not, not feasible at this time. The amount of damage that was done over the years was just to the point where that's not something I can afford to have in my life or in my family's life. Now, am I saying I'm just not willing to have a relationship with her? What I'm saying is there's no relationship to be had there. So that was 20 years ago, 24 years ago. And she and I really still can't talk because we're that different because we've gone so, down so different roads. So what do you do? Can you find your backbone? You feel crushed. You feel inadequate. All right, look. Let's talk about that for a second. If you go to 1 Corinthians, all right, is there life after divorce? If you go to 1 Corinthians, let me get over there. Whoop. If you go to 1 Corinthians, chapter 15 and verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And if you go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Now let me tell you something. If you're going to claim Christian, if you're going to claim God and you're a divorced male, and you feel beat, and you feel inadequate, maybe it was you that screwed up, and so your, your guilt may be even bigger. All right? Or you're angry, and you want to place blame, and you want to point fingers. Knock that crap off. You are destroying your kids. Now, I'm not saying this is all about your kids, but they're the ones who become the punching bag. Now, regardless, regardless of what your ex-spouse is doing, forget that it's happening. Forget that, that he or she, well, in this case, we are a male oriented podcast forget what she's doing forget who she's seeing forget that you that you disagree with how she did this or how she did that it doesn't matter the houses are divided or they've been divided these things in first corinthians and second timothy this verse is consistent in first corinthians no matter your marital status and second timothy 1 7 doesn't care about your marital status either you focus on living in power 
If you've got changes to make, you get with a mentor in your church and make them. This podcast is about you getting back on track. This is about you not letting your divorce define you as just a divorced male. I am not, you know, I am a prior divorced male, but I am a happily married man. That is my identity when it comes to my marriage. I pursue my wife. I made the changes I need to make. Now, I'll tell you straight up that in my first marriage, uh, affairs were an issue. Not my affairs, my ex-wife's affairs. Now, I'm not really even pointing a finger. Those were just the facts. Those are the straight up facts, okay? There were a couple of affairs on her part. I just couldn't do that anymore. And so we parted, all right? But let me be very, very clear. Yes, I do believe that when somebody crosses the affair line, they then claim a chunk of the blame that I cannot claim, all right? However, I would not for two seconds sit here and tell you that all of it was her. I made my mistakes. I own my mistakes. And it doesn't matter if she thinks I own my mistakes. Between me and my Lord, I know that I've owned my mistakes. And how do I know that I fix them? 23 years of being happily married. Redefining myself as a man outside of my divorce. Not letting my divorce consume me. I mean, let's be honest, guys. When you are fresh out of divorce, the last thing your friends want to hear you talk about is your divorce anymore because you may not realize it, but you talk about it all the time. You don't want to say bad things in front of your kids about your ex, but you probably do. And you need to rein that in. If you're working your kids to not like her, you're wrong. And you need to stop that crap now. If you, you know, the one thing I always told the boys was, you may not like everything she does, but you will respect her. Whether you like what she's doing or not, she is your mother. You will respect her. Now, I'm not even going to get into the whole blended family thing right now. I've, I've talked about that before. But let me say it again. Do not let your divorce define you. Let scripture define you. Do you have forgiveness of sins? Do you have the indwelling presence of the Spirit? Are you, by biblical definition, a Christian? And if so, what does that define you as? Not what does the divorce court define you as? Not what does your child support or your alimony define you as? Those can be maddening things to pay. Those can really mess with your psyche. When you know that your ex is paying for things that she doesn't really need, with the money you send her, that will mess with you every day. And I'm telling you right now, forget it. Her house is not your house. Your house is your house. Focus on your house. Focus on not living with a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. That's what your kids need. Your home is no longer the ideal Christian home for bringing up kids. You're always going to have an outside influence to deal with. It's always going to rear its ugly head. Accept it. Like I've, like I've said before, I've heard it in the Army. This was a big Army term. Open up your arms, wrap both arms around it, and give it a big old hug, whether you like it or not, because you got to deal with it. Today is your day to make that change. So for a second, let's talk one more thing about your kids. In Deuteronomy, this is one of my favorite sections of Scripture in Deuteronomy. And you probably know it too. Deuteronomy 6. 
Verse 6, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your son, shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you sh they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. All right, this is Israel, but this applies to Christians, all right? Let your life, let Christ define your life. Don't let your divorce define your life. Don't let your ex-wife define your life. What does that mean? That means humility. That means strength. That means power. There were a ton of things that I put up with from my ex for the sake of my sons. Now, you've heard me say that one of those sons hasn't talked to me in 12 years now. And I'm not going to go into why that is. A lot of that had to do with the divorce and it had to do with uh, things between my ex and I. However, at the end of the day, I can look in the mirror and say, I did everything for my son I could as a father and as especially as a father in Christ. And then I have to be okay with it. I can't drag it with me. I can't pull it along. I can't put it in a bag and continue to carry it. I have to put that bag down and know that at the end of the day, I am accountable to God in judgment, right? If I were to stand before God that day on that issue, could I honestly look him in the face and say, I did everything that I thought I could do? Yes, I made mistakes. And like I've said before, mistakes are not always sin. Get the two separated, all right? I made mistakes, but I always 110% had the best in mind for my sons. And whether he chose to follow that or not, as an adult, I can't do much about. We give our kids the tools. We fill the toolbox. We train them with the tools. We test them with the tools. We see they know how to use the tools. And then we send them out. But we can never, ever force them to open that toolbox again. That is something we have to accept. But we have to know, I know they know how to use the tools. I taught them how to use the tools. So Deuteronomy 6. You shall talk them diligently to your sons. Do you do that? Are you focused on God? Are you over-focused on God? Now, what do I mean by overfocused? Well, some people will take it and run with it so much they become law-oriented, and then it ends up driving the kids out. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not going to go down the dark rabbit hole there. Make sure that you have balance. After divorce, it is really, really tough to find balance. Really, really tough. But I'm telling you, it's there. It sucks. It's not cool. But it doesn't have to be who you are every day. Your backbone is still there. Live in strength and power in Christ. And let your kids see you live in it. And let them see that, there, that you have, after divorce, that there is life worth living. And that divorce doesn't have to define you. Because now those kids will look at your marriage and say, well, mom and dad didn't make it. How do I know that I'll make it? Give them every reason through the way you live your life to know that all things can be overcome and not everything ends in failure. You can do it. You can do it. 
So I want to thank everybody for coming today, all my live ones. I'm waving at all my live ones. You can find us on Anchor.fm, iTunes, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Radio Public, CastBox, Breaker, and Spotify. You can also contact us on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel. This will be on the YouTube channel as soon as I'm done here. You can email me directly at Mike at the sedated man.com. That's Mike at the sedated man.com. If you would like to see the show notes for this particular episode, those are on patreon.com slash the sedated man. That's patreon.com slash the sedated man. You can also support the podcast there if you would like. A couple of other things. We are available, not we, me. I am available for public speaking. It doesn't matter to me how small your event or how large your event. Uh, I always, I always like to, uh, to, to speak and, and mingle and, uh, and really get to know who's out there. Uh, we also provide mentoring. And if you have any questions, any questions at all, don't hesitate to email me directly. I do answer all of my emails. So go out in the week. Part two will be episode 37, obviously, How to Find Your Backbone After a Miserable Divorce, part two. And there we will talk about should I remarry? And that one will be fairly, uh, it's going to be a big subject. We're going to go fairly deep on it. And there will be a lot of debate, I'm sure, amongst you guys. And that's okay. That's how we get answers. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Have a great day.